Psalm 95 tonight. If you're there, say amen. The Bible says, oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence in thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is, also, is his, his also. The sea is his and he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship him. Every time I read that, I want to say, oh, come, let us adore him. <laughs> We're not quite there yet. We still got to make it through Thanksgiving. And uh, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. He is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long, I was grieved with this generation, and said, it is the people that do err in their heart. They have not known my ways. Unto whom I share in my wrath that they should not enter in to my rest. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for another opportunity, Lord, just to come and, Lord, to fellowship together. Lord, just to uh, come and encourage one another, strengthen one another, be a blessing one to, to another. Lord, if it's just a simple, I'm praying for you. I'm glad to see you. Well, we don't realize how sometimes how far those words go how great of a help they are. Well, I'm thankful, Lord, to go to a church, Lord, that we enjoy being around each other. We're grateful for each other and thankful for each other. I ask you, Lord, tonight that you'd just work in our hearts tonight. Lord, take the word of God. And Lord, do with it only that you can do tonight, Lord. Lord, I know what I can accomplish. I know what I can do. And Lord, none of us need that tonight. Lord, we need help from heaven tonight. Lord, some of us are struggling. Some of us are fighting. Lord, some of us are tired. Some, Lord, some of us, Lord, the battle has dragged on and on and on. We ask you, Lord, tonight that you'd work in our hearts. God, give us the courage to go another round. Give us the strength to stand tall. Lord, give us that which we need tonight. Lord, some of us need correction. Lord, some of us, Lord, in our, we haven't gone way out into the world, but Lord, our hearts are leaning that way. Lord, we're living in doubt and discouragement. God, would you work in our hearts? God, remind us tonight that you are faithful. Lord, I'm so glad tonight, Lord, that I can turn to the word of God and, Lord, read about your faithfulness. But, Lord, I can look back in my life and see your faithfulness. Lord, every bill that's been paid, about every meal that my family's eaten, Lord, every time my heart beats, it's because of the faithfulness of God. And I thank you for that tonight. Help us, Lord, just to get into your word tonight, Lord, and leave out different in the way that we walked in. Thank you tonight, Lord, for being our dearest friend, our best friend. God, you hear every cry. Lord, you see every tear. God, you are near to us when our heart is broken. God, you're in our corner. You're encouraging us. And I pray, Lord, tonight, I thank you, Lord, that every problem that I have, I can bring to you. God, I've brought big ones to you. And God, you can handle them. Lord, I've brought little ones to you. You didn't count them insignificant. 
faithful. Father, help us tonight, Lord, just to realize how much you really love us and how faithful you really are. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue down this thought of worship. And tonight we're looking at this idea of a call to worship. A call to worship there in verse number six. The psalmist says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. But what we find interesting, again, remember we talked about this the first night, that the idea of praise and worship. It has been hijacked, it's been manipulated, it's been mislabeled, it's been all those things in our modern day uh, Christianity. It has become a source of entertainment, it's become a source of exercise, a source of uh, just you know going through the motions, and we say it's all the same thing. Well, we understand tonight that praise and worship, though they go hand in hand, they are not the same thing. For if they were the same thing, we would call them the same thing. Things that are different are not the same. But yet, praise and worship goes hand in hand. And what we found out, and what I've been studying through this and come to realize, that oftentimes that praise comes prior to worship. That praise, in essence, prepares my heart and your heart to worship the Lord. Praise is that outward expression. It is that that lifting of one's voice, that lifting of one's heart and one's mind to the Lord. It's the act of thanksgiving. It's the act of telling the Lord, thank you for all that you've done. And here's the thing, when me and you develop an attitude of gratefulness, our heart is beginning to be prepared to worship. Matter of fact, you look the words up, praise is the lifting up of one's voice. Worship is the bowing down of oneself before somebody and tonight we're going to look at this thought of a call to worship. I, I was reading somewhere, Psalm 95 said they, uh, one commentator said that this psalm is one of the, the few psalms that doesn't have a direct, uh, a direct uh, author, one that is directly associated with its uh, writing. Now we understand tonight that God wrote the word of God. But some of the psalms we know are attributed to Moses, some are attributed to Solomon, some are attributed to David. Psalm 96, it's interesting, we talked about that verse last week of, of, of worshiping God and the beauty of holiness, Psalm 96, 9. You see it right there in the middle of it. And so we understand tonight if that's uh, similar to what we read about David wrote, then obviously David must have wrote Psalm 96. But Psalm 95, there's no given author there. And what's the beautiful thing about that tonight is that worship is open to anybody and everybody. In essence, it's not just for certain people. It's not just for the select few. It's not just for the chosen couple. It is for every Christian. It is for every believer to find themselves in a place of worship. There's an open invitation to worship the Lord. But we see here tonight that once again, praise precedes worship. Praise precedes worship. We see number, uh, verse number one right here in this introduction tonight. Well, what does this praise look like? Well, verse number one, oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us sing unto the Lord. How many glad tonight that God has given us a new song? I don't sing the song that I used to see before I got saved. I only had one song. It was songs of doom and gloom. It was psalms of loss. It was psalms of regret. It was songs of, of, of failure and messing up. But when God saved me, he gave me a new song. Matter of fact, if you go up to Psalm 94, verse number 17, it says, unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. See, before Jesus ever saved us, before the Lord ever came into our heart and changed us, me and you really didn't have a song to sing. At least we didn't have a song worth listening to. 
Because our song sounded just like everybody else. It sounded just like what everybody else was saying, everybody else was doing. Nobody knew the answer. Nobody knew how to fix nothing. But thanks be to God, April 3rd, 2015, I got a new song when the Lord saved me. And it's a good song. And here's the beauty of it tonight. Boy, it just comes up in some of the weirdest places. You ever just couldn't help yourself and you start singing? <laughs> now, some of y'all, that's a good thing because you can sing. Some of us, <laughs> it's a little awkward because we can't sing. We can, I, I, man, I'll, be, I'll be having me a time and singing a song completely wrong. Not even the same words. Not even the right words. Probably not even doctrinally correct while I'm singing it, but in my heart, I know what I'm supposed to be saying. And kids looking at me saying, Dad, what are you singing? That is not the song. But there was a song that it was tied to this idea of praise. And it still plays out in church today. When they sing those songs, we sing the congregationals, they sing the specials. As they're singing, there's something typically that we identify with and we want to praise the Lord. We might raise our hand. We might say amen. We might sing along with them. I love it. I love it. Y'all don't know this, but I can hear all y'all singing. Y'all get to sing along with the specialist. And we got a choir in the congregation. <laughs> and they're all singing along. And I love it because I'm over there singing with you. And sometimes I got to watch myself because I know I'm not singing the words right. I don't want to mess up the singer. But notice there was a song. Then you get verse number two. Not only is there a song, there's a joyful noise. It's a joyful noise. Look at verse number two. Let us, verse number one and verse number two. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. I was just reading that tonight as I, we're reading it together. And I couldn't help but think about those Muslims. You know, seven times a day, they'll get down and they'll pray and they'll praise in the direction of Mecca. They are singing to a building. They are singing to a literal place that can't help them. They are praying to an object that can't change anything. But how many glad tonight when we make a joyful noise, it is not a literal rock that we're singing to, but it is to the man, it is to God, it is to the Savior tonight that saved us. And not only can he hear us, but he can answer. And he can, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll get to making a joyful noise and I'll find out that the Lord is right there with me the whole time and before and I'm shouting him on, he's standing there right next to me before I, their presence is real. And I can't explain it tonight, but there's something when it comes to making a joyful noise, the Lord inhabits the praise of his people. Boy, if you ever, ever, never had the Lord hop in the car with you, boy, it's a, it's a joyful experience. It's a wonderful experience. It'll scare everybody else on the road, but you don't care. Well, notice here, there's this praise. There's a song to sing. There's a joyful noise to be made. And oftentimes, we hear it explained this way. Well, preacher, you know, I can't sing, but I sure can make a joyful noise. The psalmist did both. He sang and made a joyful noise. In essence, there's, there's not just a song to sing, and I'm not just talking about a physical song, but I'm talking about here we understand that David, through the Psalms, a lot of times he's pouring his heart out to God. And I'm glad tonight I can pour my, my heart out to God. We had Brother Jacob and Miss Caitlin over at the house for premarital counseling. We're talking about the, the levels of communication and how at the deepest level there is this, there is this freedom of, of, uh, of communication, that I can be who I really am. I don't, I don't have 
to put on a front. I don't have to put on a fake. But at the same time, when I'm making myself completely vulnerable to you, it is showing me that I want to talk to you. I want to have a great conversation with you. I want to have real communication with you. Can I say tonight, I'm glad when I go before God, I'm a failure. I've got faults. I've got problems. I've got issues. I've messed up. I've done wrong. But yet I can go to him and be completely honest with him, knowing in no wise will he cast me out, but rather he'll help me through those things tonight. I can make a joyful noise. I can sing a song. I can praise the Lord. We see the sound of praise in verse one and two. There's a song, there's a joyful noise. Verses three through five, we see the source of praise. Verse number three, for the Lord is a great God. The Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Preacher, why, can I, why should I praise the Lord? Because of his position. There's nobody like him. Old black preacher used to say, can't nobody do you like Jesus? There's nobody that compares to him. We, you know, they'll sit you down in a classroom and they will, they will, they will, on the whiteboard, they will compare religions with religions and they'll say, here's some similarities. Here's some, some, some things that are kind of the same. Here's some stark differences. And they make it seem like they're right at the same thing. They're, they're, they're similar and, and you know, they're, they're, they, 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 they go along with each other. They can coexist together. That's my, that's my least favorite, my least favorite bumper sticker of all time, coexist. Makes absolutely no sense tonight. But, they, they try to make them like the same, but truth be told, there is nobody that comes even close to God tonight. Amen. Nowhere near close to him. And we ought to praise him because of that fact. And the fact that we have a direct line with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the God of heaven, the God of creation, me and you can go at a moment's notice and get in his presence and talk to him. We could praise him because the position, he's, he's above it all, but also we can praise him because he possesses it all. He owns it all. Look at verse number four. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. And Brother Kim, I'm not going to become Brother Kogan right here. Brother Kogan preaches a message, Kogan East, and, and it's a great message. He talks about the measurements and all that good. I didn't do that much math tonight. But it says, in his hands are the deep places of the earth. I do know this tonight, that scientists know more about outer space than they do the bottom of the ocean. And God possesses all of that within the hollow of his hand tonight. It's all within his hand. But I like what it says in verse number four. Uh, excuse me, the verse number five. The sea is his and he made it. Can I say there's some things that I possess tonight that I did not make. I had to go out and buy them. Somebody else made them for me. But the Bible says not only did God, does God possess it all, but he made it all. Can I hear me glad tonight that you're not a product of evolution. We're not a product of just accident after accident after accident. Your life is an accident. Their life's an accident. There's, we're all just products. No, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I can go back to Genesis. It's not just a good story. It is history. It's accurate. It's seven literal days that God created everything. He said he, we can praise him because of his position. He's above all. We can praise him because he possesses it all. Look at verse Number six, oh come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Not only does he possess everything, it's his, but think about this, God made me and you. He made Adam, he formed him out of the dust of the earth, 
breathe life into him. He made man, but he also bought man. You realize tonight, me and you are the only thing that God ever made and bought? Yes, he made the earth. He made the ocean. He made the fishes and the fish. He made all the fowl of the air, the beasts of the ground. He made all those, but when he died on Calvary, he didn't buy none of those. He paid the price for me and you. Not only did he make us, he said, I love you enough that I will buy you back. We see here tonight that praise precedes worship. We see the sound of praise. It's a joyful thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a precious thing. And I'll say this tonight, you cannot fake real praise, nor can you fake real worship. And if you step into the line of faking those things, you are in entertainment. We see that praise precedes worship. But note verse number six tonight, right at the beginning of it, it says, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. It's an open invitation. In essence, the psalmist is saying, hey, let's go worship the Lord. It's the same thing as if I were to say, hey, y'all, let's get on the church bus and let's go to camp meeting, right? It's available to anybody and everybody. Jordan's head popped up real quick. I want to go to camp meeting, preacher. I do too. I love camp meeting. But it's an open invitation. It is your choice to go or not. But here's the thing, what the psalmist was saying. He said, oh, come, let us worship the Lord. He's saying, listen, it's open to everybody, but if you don't come, I'm still going to worship. I'm not going to let your decision stop me, but if you want to, you can get on, get on, get in with it, or get in on it with me. The same is true here tonight. We, there's this call to worship. Listen tonight, whether you choose to worship God or not, ought not to stop me from worshiping the Lord. But, boy, if we could do it together, if we as a church could get unified and come in with a spirit and a heart to worship the Lord and to go home with a, in our families with a heart to worship the Lord, my goodness, it would change a lot of things. It would change the atmosphere like it did this morning at Martha's house when Mary began to worship. It said it filled the room. And I said tonight, if me and you worship the Lord sincerely and rightfully and did as he called us to do, it would change some things. Verse number six, oh, come. Hey, if you want to come, if you want to come, and you can worship the Lord. Here's a call to worship. We'll give you three reasons why tonight we need to worship. There are three truths about worship out of Psalm 95 tonight. Why he's calling him to worship, number one, because worship is a personal thing. Look at verse number seven. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture in the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, you break that word, that, that verse up, first of all, it says he is our God. In essence, notice what I wrote down this way this morning. He is our God, he is mine. He's not just the God of the Bible, which he is. He's not just a great God, which he is. He's not just the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he is, but he is mine. He is our God. He is our God tonight. And we get that concept, I, he is mine. The God who holds everything in, in place and God who, who created everything, the God who does everything, says, I love you enough that I will be your God. It's a personal thing tonight. It's a personal thing. There's a lot of people worshiping a lot of gods, but they're not worshiping my God because my God is the God of the Bible tonight. He said that praise or worship is personal. He is our God. He is mine. But notice what it says right after that. And we are the people of his pasture. Not only he is mine, 
but I'm his. <laughs> He's mine, but I'm his. There's, there's me possessing God and having God for, for myself, and then there is God who has me. Just like we sang about it this morning, I know him, but best of all, he knows me. I love him, but best of all, he loves me. We are the people of his pasture. Now, it's interesting because what's the next word? In the sheep of his hand. Now, I'm not trying to correct the psalmist here, but it makes a little bit more sense for the sheep to be in the pasture, the people to be in his hand. <laughs> but the reality is this, this evening, we are both his people and we're both his sheep. Jesus is the great shepherd. He takes care of us. And we're the people of his pasture. That is a place of feeding. That is a place of protection. That is where the shepherd has marked off. This is a safe place. I will take care of you and provide for you. I have set this up for you. You think about this, a shepherd doesn't just release his sheep out into the wild and say, I hope the best for you. But no, he goes out and he marks the territory. He marks the boundaries. And he said, as long as you stay in here, you're underneath my authority. You're underneath my protection. I will take care of you. He said, we're the people of his pasture. But we're also the sheep of his hand. Now we know it's a pretty big hand. It holds the sea. It holds the deep places. It holds the strength of the hills. It holds everything. Within God's hand is everything. And yet the Bible says we are the sheep of his hand. Now, I try my best to explain this in a way that makes sense. Who in here has got a dog or a cat at their house? All right. Who in here has ever petted their dog or petted their cat? It's not weird, right? Because it's your cat. It's your dog. Right, that they, they, you are their owner, and they are your cat, and so, or they are your dog, and so you know, I'm not one of those people. I'll pet a cat, I'll pet a dog, but it ain't eating a treat out of my mouth. I'm not letting that thing lick me in the, in the mouth. It's not happening. Right? I'll preach it. You don't love your dog, then we'll say what you want to. Amen. I'm, I'm just not going to do it. If you do it, that's your prerogative. Right? I, I don't have a chapter or verse on it yet. <laughs> when I find one, I'll let you know. I'm pretty sure I could probably misconstrue it's still good for a man not to touch a woman. We'll try to make that work somehow. <laughs> there you go. Unnatural effects, and there it is. <laughs> but it's nothing weird because they are your animal. They are, they are yours. You care for them. You feed them. You make sure they're taken care of. It's nothing for you to go out there and pet them and to show them affection and show them care. Now, what is weird, if you're just driving down the road, you stop at a random person's house, and you hop out and start petting their dog. They're going to come out and say, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? Well, you know, I just, just wanted to pet your dog. It's weird because they're not yours. And what we see here tonight is that we are, what, the people of his pasture, but the sheep of his hand. There's this intimate closeness. And when the, the shepherd would know his sheep, he would run his you know, hand through his wool and he would comfort them and he would, he would, he would just, you know, just let them know, hey, I am here. Feel my touch, feel my hand. I want you to know I'm right here. I'm glad tonight the same hand that 
holds everything and controls everything is the same hand that God moves on my behalf with. The same hand that he works things together for my good. The same hand that takes care of my problems. The same hand that deals with my enemies. The same hand that feeds me and provides for me is that same hand. Oh yes, I understand his hand in greatness, but I also see his hand on a personal level. Why? I'm his. and He's mine. We see here tonight that worship, when you and I bow down before the Lord, it's a personal thing. It's a response to his hand moving in our life. We see that personal worship is necessary. But notice this, there's also protection that comes with worship. Look at verse number eight. Harden not your heart, as in the provocation and as in the days of temptation in the wilderness. Who's been in some provocation lately? I don't know, preacher, I don't know what the word means. It's a reference back to Israel when they're back in the wilderness and how they were thirsty and they needed water. And God told Moses to smite the rock and the water came out. They find themselves in a similar situation. And they tell Moses, hey, we need to do one of them rock things again, Moses. And he goes to the Lord and the Lord tells him not to smite it, but this time to speak to it. And what does Moses do? He smites the rock. And yet the Lord still takes care of them, but there was, a, there was a result there. There was a consequence to that. And what was it? Their hearts began to get hard. Why is worship necessary? Why is worship uh, needed in the Christian life? Because if you and I are actively, consistently bowing down before the Lord and worshiping him, it keeps our heart from getting hard. Because if we're going to have real worship, we have to have real honesty. And if we're going to have real honesty, you can't lie. You can't, you can't try to trick God. You can't try to sweep it underneath the rug, act like it never happened. You can't fake it till you make it in the Christian life. You can't fake it till you make it into real worship. Real worship takes honesty. But real worship also keeps your heart soft. It keeps your heart from getting hardened. It keeps your heart from getting to the place where it's calloused and it's cold because man, real worship will work you up and down. It'll expose things in you. It'll, it'll, it'll bring you to a place of honesty and sincerity. And those who are sincere and honest, their heart has to be soft. It has to be workable, malleable, fixable. And there's a protection that comes with worship. Worship keeps your heart soft, but also keeps your heart right. Keeps your heart right. We understand that if you and I attempt to go and worship the Lord, and there's unconfessed sin. There is unresolved conflict. There's unfixed problems that we know need to be right. There's going to be a, 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 a stop there. The Lord's going to say, hey, before you go any further, this needs to get fixed. I believe in the New Testament, it talks about leaving your gift at the altar and going and getting those things fixed and resolved tonight. In essence, going and doing what you can to resolve the conflict. How many of us know tonight we can't fix other people? You can't make somebody forgive you. You can't make somebody do right. You can't make somebody uh, even respond to mercy and grace. And yet, it, if we're going to worship the Lord, he's going to say, hey, you need to go to so-and-so and apologize and tell them you're sorry and do your best to, to restore those things. 
In essence, when we go and do our part, then it's up to them. It's interesting tonight how some people, even with, even with me and my wife, have texted us and called us and, and said, hey, preacher, Miss Becky, I need to talk to you in the office. I need to get some things right. And they have been things that have been like way off the wall. They say, we're sorry that we said this to you. We didn't mean anything by it. Me and Miss Becky were looking at each other like, when did you say that? <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't remember that. But yet there was something that the Lord said, hey, if you're going to go any further, if you're going to go and, and you're going to sincerely worship, that, that you've got to go to them and get those things right. The same is, is true in our life tonight. If we're going to have real worship, there's a protection. One, it keeps our heart soft, but it also keeps our heart right. We see the personal worship. We see the protection of worship. But notice number three tonight, we see the problem of missed worship. The problem of missed worship. Look at verse number nine tonight. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long, I was grieved with this generation. And said, as a people that do err, not in their knowledge, not in their understanding, not in their influence, in their heart. And they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter in into my rest. There's a problem of missed worship. Or we become a, a Christian who is comfortable with just going through the motions. We, we attempt praise and we, 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 we uh, fit in in the service. We know when to say amen. We know when to clap our hands. We know when to say that's right, preacher. We know how to fit in but none of it's genuine. And so when it's not genuine, if we're just going through the motions, we didn't come to worship the Lord. We came to complete the task. We came to, to say, right, I did it. I, it was good. It was wonderful. Let's go home. I think if we really got sincere about this, we'd take every opportunity we could to worship the Lord. And when we missed it, it would bother us. It would bother us. I remember working in the cabinet shop, we'd be at work at six o'clock in the morning. That's when we started. And I remember I, I, I had a strong desire, and I, and I still do uh, nowadays, to start my days off in the word of God. Not, not necessarily read the whole Bible when I get up in the morning, but to sit down and just open up my Bible and read it, let the Lord speak to my heart, let the Lord encourage me and I remember, and it was just one of those things, I heard those preachers say, when you do that, God will give you what you need for the day, and they're right. I heard preachers say, you know, you start off in the word of God, your heart will start right, your day will start right if you start it in the word of God, and it's right. And I put it into practice, and it works. It's a true statement. Remember one day, I'm just like you. That alarm clock went off, but I never heard it. <laughs> I woke up to my father-in-law, who was... We were riding to work together, knocking on my front door. What was normally a calm waking up experience. You know, a little beep, 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 beep. Push my button, get up, stretch out a little bit, make me a cup of coffee, and sit down with my Bible. It wasn't like that that morning. It was, you going to work? And some, I didn't know what was going on. I jumped out of the bed, did about three cartwheels, <laughs> trying to get on my feet, ran into the wall, running around the house, you know, making lunch and getting dressed at the same time. It was just an absolute mess. Hurried up, got into work. I mean, 
did a above the speed limit on the way to work. <laughs> but I remember just getting in there and just like being in panic mode, which was not what my normal morning's like. And finally, I said, you know what? I, <laughs> I, I, I just I put my tools down and I went into the restroom. And I pulled up my Bible on my app and said, Lord, I can tell I've missed it today. I could tell that there was something missing in my daily life, my daily routine. And no doubt, that's, that's important to start your day off with the word of God. But we ought to take every opportunity to worship the Lord, to give him thanks, to find ourselves bowing before him because when we miss those opportunities, we miss an opportunity to acknowledge what the Lord has done. Verse number nine, he said, oh, those Israelites, the father, your fathers tempted me, they proved me, they saw my work. They seen me move on their behalf. They seen me do great and mighty things and yet they did not stop to give me worship. They missed the acknowledgement. And here's the thing, when we stop acknowledging what the Lord is doing in our life, we'll find ourselves in a place of discouragement and say things like this, the Lord don't do anything for me no more. I don't remember the last time the Lord's blessed me. I don't remember the last time the Lord's taken care of this. Where is the Lord? It's because we've missed our opportunities to acknowledge him. And I'll say this tonight, there's nothing too small. Nothing too small to give God praise, worship God over. It's a lesson that he taught us with our kids. Raylan, does God care, care about earrings? He does. T.R., does God care about chocolate milk? You ever prayed for it and God gave it to you? Mm-hmm. Shiloh. Ah. Ah. Had nothing to do with the message. This is cute. <laughs> Raylan lost her earrings one night after church. Went into panic mode. Miss Baker said, you stopped and prayed for him? She said, no. They stopped right there and prayed. I kid you not. It wasn't but a second. A few minutes later, they found him. TR used to have chocolate milk running out the, every pore of the refrigerator. <laughs> 16 bottles in the refrigerator. Anybody come in on a Wednesday night and pray for chocolate milk? There's never anything too small to stop and say, Lord, thank you. God, in his big things, shows us his sovereignty. Those big problems, we sh he shows us his power. But in them small things, he shows us his intimacy. <laughs> Those things that nobody even knows wrong. And God said, I can fix that. I can take care of that. And we, when we stop and we say, that's nothing, that, that's, not, that's not that big of a deal. We're missing a, an opportunity to acknowledge and to worship the Lord. So your father's tending to me, proved me and saw my work. And here's the thing, when me and you miss our opportunity to worship the Lord, not only is it, is it a missed acknowledgement, but it, it grieves the Lord. Look at verse number 10, 40 years long, I was grieved in this generation. For 40 years, I gave them an opportunity. For 40 years, I was graceful and merciful to them. And they never took the opportunity to worship me. And what they miss out on, look at verse number 11 unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. We understand what took place there. God said those above a certain age would not go into the promised land. 
They would die off and then that next generation would go in under Joshua and Caleb. Now here's what happens tonight when you and I miss our opportunity to worship God. We miss our chance to acknowledge him. It grieves the Lord and it places us into a position of worry instead of worship. We miss out on an opportunity to rest. I'm not talking about the promised land, but I'm talking about having the peace of God. Having that ability just to go to bed at night saying everything's going to be all right because I know whom I serve. I know who, I, who takes care of me. I know where my help comes from. I know where my strength comes from. He said he'll promise to provide every need for me, that his grace is sufficient for everything that I have and every, everything that I need. He's going to take care of me. But if you don't learn to worship God, you will not know what it's like to have peace at night. You won't be able to sit down and say, everything's gonna be okay because I know he takes care of me. Because when you stop acknowledging him and stop worshiping him, you're relying on yourself. And we know tonight what we can accomplish, what we can't do, but nothing is impossible for God. So there's a problem of missed worship. We end it this way tonight. The invitation's open. Oh, come, let us worship him. Come, let us bow down before him. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. The invitation's open tonight. Are you going to respond? Are you going to take up the, the invitation, the opportunity, and just say, Lord, I'm bowing down before you. And one more time, I've come to worship you. One more time, I've come to praise your name. There's a call to worship. Are you going to answer that call? Let's pray tonight. Dear Heavenly Father.